is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. If you have a Bible with you tonight, wave it at me just a second. Would you please get a copy of the Word of God? Very good. I want you to take that Bible and find the book of Matthew in the New Testament. That ought to be fairly easy to do because it is the first book of the New Testament for gospel records. And Matthew is the first in our copy of the Scriptures. And once you find Matthew, I want you to find Matthew chapter number 4. Now, everything I'm going to say to you tonight will come from this one book of the Bible. So keep it open. It won't all come from Matthew 4. We're going to start here, but it will all come from the book of Matthew, so it'll be really easy to find. And I want you to get a pen out, something that you can mark some things in your Bible with. And if you have something that you can write on, some things you can make a few notes on. I'd like you to do that in every service this week because I'm going to ask you to write things down so you'll remember it and so you can share it with others when you get back home. In the morning meetings, I'm going to speak to you from uh, the life of Daniel because that's what you're going to be studying and reading and praying through in your God night time. But in the evening meeting, starting tonight, I want to talk to you all week about Jesus and the disciples. Some of the disciples are much more well-known than others. Some are famous. Some we know next to nothing about. But really, it's not them. It's not them I want you to know this week. It's Jesus that I want you to know this week. And in fact, it is not just Jesus and those disciples. It is Jesus and you becoming a disciple. See, the Bible is a mirror. It shows us God and it shows us us. It's not just for you to know things. You can, get, you can get a head full of knowledge and a page full of notes and still have a heart empty of Jesus. It's not about information. It's about revelation. It's, it's not just about the knowledge of things. Lots of people are full of pride because they can answer Bible trivia questions and they know things from Scripture. I don't just want you to know things when the week is done. I want you to know Jesus. See, I'm thrilled all of you here. This is a big week of camp and uh, great groups. And I've looked at some of the churches that are here and I'm just so excited that all of you chose this week to come. But I want you to know this won't be a great week just because you are here. And it won't be a great week just because these counselors are here. And it won't be a great week because I'm here preaching. If we have a great week this week, it will be great because Jesus is here among us. And the greatest thing that will happen at the end of the week is not that you just had a lot of fun the greatest thing that will happen this week is that you come to truly know Jesus. In fact, tonight, I want to tell you right up front, when I finish preaching on the first night, and this is my favorite night, if I could only preach one night, they say you can only preach one night at camp, what night would it be? It would not be Friday night. It would be Monday night because I'm convinced that on the first night, if we get wide open to God, there is no telling how much God will say to us all week long. This is, this is like the domino effect. This is the ripple effect. This is what sets in motion all that God wants to do. And when I finish preaching tonight, I'm going to ask every person in this room to respond. Everybody. Now, whether you respond or not, that's not between me and you. That's between you and God because you're not going to be responding to my sermon. You're going to be responding 
to Jesus tonight. See, Jesus is still looking for disciples. Some people have the idea when you come to camp that the preacher's just trying to get decisions. Look up here just a second. We're not interested in just getting decisions this week. I'm not just interested in seeing how many people I can get to get up and stand up and come forward or go out or sign a card or give a testimony or throw a stick in the fire and give, give some word. I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm preaching this week for next week and the next week and the next week and the next week because Jesus is not just looking for decisions. He's looking for disciples. And with that in mind, I want you to look at Matthew chapter number 4 because this is where it all starts with Jesus and the disciples. This is when he called the first ones. Look at verse number 18 and Jesus. Walking by the Sea of Galilee. Just a few months ago, I was standing there. In fact, next year we're taking a big Bible study group back and I'm so excited about it because I was standing on the side of the Sea of Galilee at the spot where they think Jesus had breakfast with the disciples after his resurrection. And I'm looking out. It was like a sea of glass. It was one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. It was sunset. And I'm standing there by the Sea of Galilee thinking about all the things that happened around that sea. There, there are lots of questions about certain places in Israel, but the Sea of Galilee has not moved from the time Jesus was there. And I was standing, looking at the Sea of Galilee, thinking about where it all started. This is where it started. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, two brethren. Simon, you know him, he's famous, called Peter. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them. Would you read the first two words? Jesus said in verse 19, ready together, ready? Follow me. Read it again, please. Follow me. Tell the person next to you, ready? Follow me. Tell the person on the other side of you, what's the two words? Follow me. Look back at me. What's the two words, class? Follow me. When I'm done tonight, you may not remember my outline. You don't have to remember me, but I want you to remember two words. What are the two words, please? Follow me. If I ask you tomorrow morning, the two words you're going to say. If I ask you tomorrow night, the two words you're going to say. If I ask you the two words at the end of the week, you're going to say, if I come to your cabin in the middle of the night and say, what's the two words? You're going to say, no, that's not what you're going to say. But the two words are what? They are, follow me. Now look at the verse. Jesus looks at these two brothers and he says, follow me. I love this. And I will make you fishers of men. Look, it's easy to read this. It's hard. It's hard to put yourself in their sandals and understand what's going on right here. These, are, these aren't hobby fishermen. How many of you like to fish? How many of you like to fish? Okay. How many of you ever caught something really big? Yes? Okay. That's great. But you're hobby fishermen. And I don't care how good you are at this juncture. Like, I don't think you have a sponsor. Somebody might have a sponsor in this room. I've got some friends that are close to that. But these guys are professional fishermen. They, they're not just fishing for fun. They're fishing for food. This is what they do for a living, and they're good at it. They're very good at it. And these two brothers work for their dad, and they got their own boat, and they got their own nets. And Jesus comes walking by and just says, hey, boys, leave all that and follow me. And that minute, look at verse number 20. They straightway, mark that word in your Bible. It means right away, immediately. They straightway left their nets and followed him. That's, that's radical. That's, some would say that's, that's fanatical. No, 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 we're going somewhere. Stay with me just a second. Jesus said, follow me, and they followed him. Look at verse 21. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. 
And he called them. So, so you got two brothers over here, and, and they're called. And then you got two brothers over here, and they're called. And look at their response. Look at verse 22. And they, mark it in your Bible, immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Two words, class, say them. What's two words? Jesus said, follow me. Now, everybody pay real close attention. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 6 and chapter 7. If you've got a red letter edition Bible where the words of Jesus are in red, you'll see that all three chapters are in red because this is Jesus' first recorded sermon and arguably his most famous sermon. How many of you know what it was called? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Called the Sermon on the... Okay, now wait a minute. I'm not preaching the Sermon on the Mount tonight. That's great, and you ought to read it, not while I'm preaching, but on your own time. It's a powerful sermon, but this is fascinating. Like bookends on this big sermon with lots of people, Jesus has individual encounters with these men and gives them a personal message. Look me in the eye just a second. This is a big crowd. The danger in a big crowd is sometimes people think they can get lost in the crowd. I want you to know tonight, you might be lost to your leaders and you might be lost to me and you might be lost to your friends and you might be lost to everybody else, but you are not lost to Jesus. Preachers preach to crowds, but God speaks to individuals. Sometimes in meetings like this, people get the idea, well, the preacher's going to preach a sermon, a few people are going to respond, and I want you to know, if that's all that happens this week, I'm wasting my breath and you're wasting your time. Let's pack up on the first night and all go home. Because we're not here just to have a meeting or hear a message. No, no, we're here to meet Jesus and learn what it means to be true followers of Jesus Christ. Not people, not people who just give God a nod. Not people who just say, oh, yeah, I checked that box. I'm going to heaven someday. No, no. We're here to learn something about what it actually means to know and love and worship and follow Jesus Christ. So go to chapter 8. On the other side of this famous sermon, see if this sounds familiar. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse number 18. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Master, I will, what's he say he will do, please? I'll follow thee. Time out. Look at me just a second. I would think if somebody's coming to Jesus saying, I'll follow you, that's a pretty positive thing. I would think if somebody came tonight and said, I want to follow Jesus, we'd all say, hey, we're thrilled about that. We're excited about it. But see, Jesus doesn't just listen to words. He looks at the heart. He knew what was in this guy's mind. Keep reading. He said, I will follow you wherever you go, whithersoever thou goest. (laughs) Verse 20, Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You You know what Jesus just said to this guy? He just said, I just want you to know, buddy, I don't have a place to sleep tonight. And do you know this man is never mentioned again in the gospel records? I mean, he just, made, he just made one of the greatest promises I've ever heard. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And all it took was Jesus saying, we don't have a place to sleep tonight. And suddenly he melts back into the crowd. And he is never heard from again. And at that very moment, look at verse 21. Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first. By the way, those two things never go together. You can't call Jesus Lord and say me first in the same breath because when Jesus is Lord, you're not first. Christ is first. Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, this sounds really cold, all right? Sounds hard-hearted, but it's not. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Look at verse 22. 
But Jesus said to him, hmm, what's those two words? Say them, please. Follow me. And let the dead bury their dead. He said, look, where I'm going is life. What I'm doing is life. Let, let the dead bury the dead, and you do one thing. Let's make this real simple. I didn't come with a seven-point outline tonight. I didn't come to tell you ten ways to be a better guy, uh, three, three steps to having success in life. I came to give you one truth tonight, and it is this. Follow Jesus. I'm not asking you to follow me this week. I'm not asking you to follow this camp. I'm not asking you to be the follower of, of just the pastor at your church. No, no, it's bigger than that. It's, it's higher than that. It, it's longer than that. I'm asking you, will you follow Jesus? Look across the page. Look at chapter 9, verse number 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew. This is really interesting. Who's writing this book? What book are we in? Talk to me. What book are we in? What's the guy's name? Same guy. Matthew is writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And instead of bragging about himself, and I really love this, there's a beautiful humility in this. He speaks of himself in the third person, and he doesn't talk about what he did in a way to boast of it or to brag about his proximity to Jesus. Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. That means he was a tax collector. He was a cheat and a scoundrel. He was a guy who had done a lot of bad things. By the way, some, some people in this room have got a lot of bad junk in your past. And the devil's been beating you over the head with it for a long time. And you've lived under the guilt and condemnation of that. And you've almost got the idea, as young as you are, that there's no future for you and there's no hope for you and you might as well quit now. I came to tell you tonight, when you meet Jesus and begin to follow Jesus, you can get past your past because he gives you a new beginning. At this moment, Matthew's life is radically changed. And how? Look at what Jesus said to him. He saith unto him, read it please, follow me. Would you mark it again in your Bible? And he arose and followed him. I was looking at this the other day. I love the Sermon on the Mount. I really do. I wish I, I, wish I could study Matthew 5, 6, and 7 with you this week. You should, you should study it devotionally when you get back home. But this is what struck me, and I never noticed it before. We give all this attention to this big public meeting, to this big public sermon, to this very famous discourse of Jesus, but... One of the most powerful sermons Jesus ever gave, he didn't give to a huge crowd. He gave to individuals before he gave the Sermon on the Mount and after he gave the Sermon on the Mount. And it was the same sermon to everybody that he met. It was a two-word sermon. It was this, follow me. Can you see Jesus tonight with nail-pierced hands saying, come on, follow me, follow me. Later in the same book, Matthew chapter number 16, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and, guess what the next two words are, follow me. Here, this is what's interesting. Do you know the expression follow me literally means get in line behind me? I hate lines. How many of you hate lines? I hate lines especially when I'm way back in line. I was on the West Coast the other day, and our family was together, and we were at a certain amusement park, and the lines were horrendous in one section of the park, and I'm not the most patient human being. I hate lines. I want to get to the front of the line. But listen to me very carefully. Everybody lives in a line. In fact, everybody in this room is in somebody's line. Some of you are still in Adam's line. 
Adam. If you, if you chase the line all the way to the front of the line, you'll find Adam, our first father, who fell and rebelled against God in the garden. And sin entered into the mainstream of humanity. And every rebel, every rebel heart stands behind that line of those who have resisted what God wants to do. But there's another line. And at the head of that line, there is the Lord Jesus. And everybody in this room stands tonight in one of two lines. We were kids. We used to play follow the leader. You know, the great struggle when you play follow the leader as kids is who gets to be the leader. That's always the problem, right? We finally, we finally settled it this way. Whoever's backyard we were playing in, that's who got to be the leader. Can I let you in a little secret tonight? All of us are playing in God's backyard. Tonight, you're living on God's earth, breathing God's air, drinking God's water, eating God's food, enjoying God's sunshine, listening to God's birds sing, and the least you can do is let him be the leader. The truth of the matter is, some people are trying to gain a following for themselves. Social media is full of that. Build a platform, get a following, build a tribe. It's all about me. No, no, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Other people spend their entire life chasing after, after this influencer and that popular person and, and that star, only to find out when they finally catch them, if they ever do, that it's miserable like Solomon. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. But let the disciples of Jesus testify tonight. Let, let Peter and Andrew stand and speak. Let James and John give you a word. Let, let Matthew tell you the difference Jesus made in his life. Because when you learn to follow Jesus, you have learned the secret to all of life. In fact, life is really complicated. And some of you right now are dealing with super complex problems. But let's keep it real simple tonight. I'm not telling you you'll be perfect or life will be perfect, but I am telling you there is a perfect Christ, and when you learn to follow Him, He brings simplicity and clarity and beauty and adventure and joy into every part of your life, and it all begins by learning to follow Jesus Christ. I want to give you three truths tonight, and I'd like you to write them down. They come from these three stories in Matthew's account. Here's the first. Number one, there is a call to follow Jesus. In fact, back up to Matthew 4 for just a minute, and look where it all started. The Bible says in verse 21, he called them. He called them. Today, I was in a certain place. I was with a group of people. Frankly, I was a little busy, and my, my phone had rung several times and text messages and all that, and I ignored it, ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. And this time it rang, and I looked down, and it was my daughter. Morgan's 24, and she is expecting our first grandchild in five weeks, and I am super excited about it. And I knew where she was. She was at a doctor's appointment, checking on the baby and seeing how things were going. And when she called, would you like to guess what I did? I answered. It didn't matter who I was with, what I was doing. Nothing else at that moment mattered to me because the voice on the other end was the voice of one that loves me and the voice of one that I love more than life. Listen to me. When God calls, the right thing to do is to answer. Yet the reality is lots of people hear the voice of God in meetings like this and never answer his call. See, some of you think I'm talking about being called to preach or called to be a missionary. I'm not talking about that. The first call is never to go. The first call is always to come. The, the first call is not for you to do something. The first call is for you to be something. 
Jesus didn't say to them, hey, Peter, you're going to be the apostle of the Gentiles. You'll preach at Cornelius' house, and they'll get saved, and that will open the door of faith to the Gentiles. He didn't say to James, I think I'm going to make you the pastor of the church in Jerusalem that day. He didn't say to John, hey, John, just get ready, because I'm going to put you on the Isle of Patmos, and I'm going to show you everything you're going to write in the Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. That's who these guys were. But at this moment, it was not about what they could accomplish or even all that God would accomplish through them. At this moment, it was about one thing, coming to Jesus. And I say to you tonight on the authority of the Word of God, that's where it always starts. And tonight, God is calling. Forget my voice for a minute. I'm not trying to be spooky or mystical, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God is real. And while the preacher is preaching from the Bible tonight, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to young men and young women and maybe some older people in this room at this moment because God always speaks through His Word and Jesus is always looking for the same thing. He's looking for somebody that will follow Him. You know the fascinating thing? This call came to really ordinary kind of people. How many ordinary people are here tonight? Would you raise your hand? How many of you are glad God loves ordinary people? Yes. You don't have to impress him. You can impress him. He's God and you're not. The beautiful truth is God is looking for simple, humble people who would just say yes to Jesus. That's it. Do you know what the call to follow Jesus is? It's a call to leave where you are and come where he is. By the way, everybody in this room tonight is at a different place. <laughs> you said, no, we're all sitting right here. We're in the same. I'm not talking about geography tonight. Everybody in this room spiritually is at a different place. And I don't know where you are. I can't tell you where you are. I can't tell you everything you're supposed to do. But I can tell you this. Wherever you are this week, God wants you to take the next step. And I don't know the next step for you, but I know this. The next step, if you will take it by faith and obedience, will bring you nearer to Jesus. And when you take the next step, you are learning something about following Christ. It's not about what you're going to be 30 years from now. You don't pick that. You don't pick that 30 years from now. You set it in motion tonight. It's one day at a time, one step at a time, one decision at a time, one moment at a time following Jesus. You know what's really beautiful when I see this passage of Scripture? It's a call to stop trying to make something of yourself and let Jesus make something of you. Would you look at what he says in verse 19? He said, follow me and I will make you. He didn't say you'll make something of yourself. He said, I will make you. Fishers of men. This is really sad. But some people spend their whole life trying to figure out who they are. They spend their whole life trying to make something of themselves that matters. When in reality, all they really have to do, look here, is follow Jesus. And as you begin to follow Jesus, it's not magical, but it is spiritual. The Lord begins to work in your life and form you into the man He created you to be, into the woman He made you to become, into the person He saved you for. God's got a purpose for your life. And it's greater, it's grander, more glorious than anything you ever imagined. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Better, better than you ever imagined. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or even think according to His power that works inside of us. You don't make something of yourself. The world says, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Make it happen. Get it done. Get in there and force your way through life. Jesus says, no, no, get in line behind me. Follow the nail-pierced footprints of Jesus Christ. And as you follow Jesus, 
He will make you to become what he wants you to become. In my mind right now, I'm out in the hills of West Virginia where I grew up. My grandpa's in heaven now, but we live on his farm. It's a ski resort in our town, so we get a lot of snow every year. And I remember those huge snow drifts as a boy and following my grandfather across that farm. And I learned something quickly. He had big feet. And I remember that just as a little boy. I remember trying to just step in to his footsteps because it was much easier to get through the snow in his footsteps than making my own. May I tell you, God knows where he's going. And if you will follow the steps of Jesus, your whole life will be better than anything you ever imagined. It is a call to follow Jesus. There's a second truth I want you to write down, and it's this. There's a cost to follow Jesus. I didn't come tonight to lower the flag and tell you it's going to be easy and everybody's going to like it. (laughs) In fact, go go back to Matthew chapter 8 just a second. You see these two guys? One of them who made a good promise and had good intentions and said, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, got no place to sleep. It's going to cost you something. It's not going to be easy. And then you got a guy who says, let me go bury my father. Now, let me just stop just a second. Princess, all right? I used to read this and think, man, that's cold-hearted. Jesus said he can't go bury his dad. Then I started reading and studying, and I discovered that in the context here, and you compare Scripture with Scripture, his daddy hadn't died yet. The idea here is not his poor daddy had died, and he's going back to conduct the funeral. That's not what Jesus is saying. No, no. What this young man is saying, when his father died, guess what he got? He got the inheritance. (laughs) He said, you know, Lord... I'm really interested in being one of your disciples. This looks like a pretty cool situation. I want to be one of those guys. Let me go home, and when my dad dies, and I'm a little more financially settled, then I've got the inheritance, then I'm going to follow you. And Jesus said, you let the dead bear the dead. You want to live for that? Live for that. You want to live for me? Live for me. See, you can't have it both ways. The world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You're going to have to decide if you're going to live for people or you're going to live for Jesus. There'll be people in this room who'll go to hell because they determined they were going to follow what some friend told them or somebody influenced them in instead of saying yes to Jesus. That's heartbreaking to me. Adoniram Judson, who became the famed missionary to Burma, went off to a university. He'd been taught as a boy that there was a God and Jesus was a Savior and all of that. And there was a guy at the university, Brown University, named Jacob Eames, who befriended him. Jacob Eames was, was an agnostic. He planted a seed of doubt in his mind if whether there were, even was a God. Adnan Judson completely renounced everything he had grown up being taught from his parents. Laid his Bible aside, stopped going to church, said, fooling on all that faith. One night he was traveling. He stopped at a little inn, went inside, said to the man, I need a room. The guy said, I only got one room and you don't want it. He said, I'm tired, man. I'll take any room you have. He said, there's only one room in the place. The walls are thin, and the guy in the next room over is dying. And he says, he's not just dying. He said, he's loud. He's, he's groaning and moaning. He said, it's, it's horrible to listen to. And Adoniram Judson, cocky and full of himself, laughed at the man and said, I'm not afraid of death. Give me the key. He went to the room. Laid down at that moment, he heard a man's voice on the other side of the wall crying out in the middle of the night repeatedly over and over and over all night long. He said this, oh God, oh God. In the wee hours of the morning, the voice 
stopped crying out. The groans tapered off. Adam Judson tossed and turned, shaken by it all, grabbed his bag early in the morning, went to the front desk to pay the bill and check out. And he said, what happened to the man in the next room last night? And the innkeeper said he died early this morning. I think this is just the providence of God. Adoniram Judson said to the innkeeper, do you know the man's name? He looked at the register and the man said, yes, his name was Jacob Eames. At that moment, Adoniram Judson realized that the very friend who had convinced him there was no God, at the moment he was about to die, the only thing he could say was, oh God. He got on his on his horse and rode away under conviction of sin and for the first time in his life came face to face with eternity and the reality of Jesus Christ and Adoniram Judson said, I'm not going to hell for anybody and I'm not going to live and die without God and Adoniram Judson trusted Jesus as his Savior. Listen to me, you're going to have to figure out who you're going to follow. I wondered why these two men were put back to back and it dawned on me, look please, one of them had to get over his past, the other one had to get over his future. The one guy had to give his future to God. He, he didn't know where he was going to sleep. You know what some of you are scared about? You're scared to death what God's going to do with your future. I got good news. I got good news. A God who loves you so much, he would give his own son to die for your soul is not going to do the wrong thing with your life. A God who is all wise and all present and all powerful and wonderful in every way is not trying to take from you He's trying to give you every good thing he has planned for your life. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you're going to have to give your future to God and believe that God can do more with your life than you can. The other guy had to be willing to get past his past. To say no to family and fortune and finances and all the things back home and instead fix his attention on what really mattered and follow Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. Oh, but there's a third truth. Look at chapter 9, would you please? There is not only a call to follow Jesus and a cost to follow Jesus, but number three, there is a chain reaction when you follow Jesus. This is powerful. Look at chapter 9 and verse number 9. When Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man. Mark that. He saw. Look, Jesus sees you right now. I'm looking across the audience, but I can't see you. And even what I do see is just the outside of you. No, look, Jesus sees you. He, he knows you better than you know you. He knows you better than your best friend on earth knows you. He has every hair on your head numbered. He, he knows you by name. He knows everything. Look, he knows your past, your present, and your future all at the same time. Because God's not in time. Time's in God. He's the eternal God. He sees the end from the beginning. He, he really sees you. Some of you think nobody sees you. Some of you think nobody cares about you. Look, he sees you as an individual. He made you unique. He has something truly wonderful for your life. He's not just giving you a sermon tonight. He's speaking to you. Follow me. He sees you. Look at verse Number nine again, he saw him sitting at the receipt of custom and he saith. Mark that in your Bible. He doesn't just see, he speaks. Do you hear the voice of God? At this moment, you know the tug on the inside? That's not me. You know the conviction you feel? Sometimes people get a little uncomfortable when the Bible's being preached and they get a little restless because they think, man, that's painful. That's hard to hear. I, I'm not sure about that. Look, that, that's not me. 
I, I'm just speaking to, you, to your ears and to your, to your head, but, but God is the one speaking to the heart. He sees you and He speaks to you and He's setting in motion something in your life. Look at the end of verse number 9. He followed Him. It doesn't end there. Look at verse 10, the conjunction. And it came to pass, as Jesus said at meat in the house, Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Can I ask you a question? Whose house was he in? Look, please. He just called Matthew to be with him. And what does he do? He goes straight home with him. Some people have the idea that the Christian life is lived one day a week at church or one week a year at summer camp. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus wants to go home with you this week. When you leave this camp, he'll be the same at home as he is here because Jesus doesn't just want to come into your heart. He wants to come into your home. And I love this. When Matthew followed Jesus, he took Jesus home with him. In fact, if you look at the other gospel records, the other gospel writers tell us he's in Matthew's house. And look who's at the dinner. Everybody look at verse number 10. Who's at the dinner? A whole bunch of publicans and sinners. Everybody remember who Matthew was? A publican, a tax collector. I love this. You know what he does? Matthew throws a dinner party and invites all of his friends and his co-workers and his buddies, gets them all around a table, and he introduces them to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what this is. This is a seismic spiritual chain reaction that is continuing to this present hour. This is an amazing group of young people. But do you understand if God gets a hold of us this week, what could be set in motion in your schools and on your workplaces and in your communities and in your cities and in this world? Do you understand what God could do, not just in your life or with your life, but through your life in the lives of other people? See, when you follow Jesus, it's not just you. When you follow Jesus, somebody else is going to follow too. In meetings, when people respond to the gospel, it's fascinating to me. One person will respond to the gospel, then somebody else gets up. One person gets up and comes to pray. Suddenly, somebody else gets up and comes to pray. You know why that is? Because somebody's got to go first. Somebody's got to lead the charge. Somebody's got to stand up first. Somebody's got to say, I'll follow Jesus. And when you become a follower, suddenly you become a leader. Because at that moment, you start parting the waters for others to begin to follow Jesus Christ. You can't choose for them, but you can choose for you. And when you choose for you, God sets in motion this chain reaction. There is one other story in the gospel according to Matthew where Jesus said, follow me. Ironically, it was a young man. And he was very rich. He came to Jesus one day in Matthew 19 and he said, I'm really interested, really interested in having eternal life. And Jesus looked at him and said, okay, go sell everything you have and follow me. <laughs> that doesn't mean rich people can't go to heaven. And it doesn't mean you've got to sell everything you have to be saved. But Jesus knew something about this guy. This guy was so interested in holding on to what he had that that meant more to him than Jesus did. Look at me, please. You can't hold on to you and hold on to Jesus at the same time. You can't follow everything and everybody else in the world and be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus looked him in the face and said, you follow me. Just leave all that and follow me. And this is what the Bible says in Matthew 19. It says, he went away sad. 
See, he didn't just have possessions, they had him. Some of you tonight, sin's got its claws in you. Somebody's influence has got their, their grip on you. And, and something in this world has got a hold on you. And I came tonight to tell you, it's, it's time. It's time that you make a decision. Draw a line in the sand and say, by the grace of God and for the glory of God, I'm going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.